Come, Watson. The game is afoot. This is Geek 4, a podcast about fans, fandom, and fan culture. I'm Dr. Michael Boyce. Everyone likes something, but what are you a geek for? I am joined today by one of my oldest and dearest friends, Mike Rodaway, and we're going to talk about Sherlock Holmes. Mike, welcome to Geek 4, finally. Well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. I was wondering when you'd get to me after all your uh, your scholars in various fields. I was wondering when you get to the donut guy to talk about the, uh, the fictional detective. <laughs> the idea was not to always get scholars. Now I'm kind of looking for people who just love stuff. And I, you know, that was always the idea behind the podcast. So I'm really grateful uh, that the donut guy, do you want to explain the donut guy to people? <laughs> not at all. I have no idea what to, I can't even see the logo on my cup, but uh, no, I just, I've spent the better part of my life. Uh, no matter how hard I try to escape it, I've worked various places in and around Tim Hortons my entire existence. And uh, currently I'm a financial consultant, a business consultant for uh, six Tim Horton restaurants out here in, uh, in Southern Ontario. And it's a lot of fun. I work with a great group of guys and, you know, I often say it's like putting on a sweater, an old sweater, right? You put it on and it feels comfortable and it feels uh, normal. And even though I've tried to escape a couple of times, it keeps pulling me back in. Every time I try to leave, they pull me back in. Tim Hortons and the Mafia. That's that's who does Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And so, uh, you know, old friends who I haven't seen in a while typically say, what part of Tim Hortons are you working in now? And I, I give them the rundown. So <laughs> that's the donut guy comment. But, uh, but yeah. And I mean, for the record, I want to state this up front. Mike is one of the people who, like, every time I go to Oshawa, you know, we just pick up right where we left off and it's brilliant and beautiful. And having those types of relationships is so important. And I feel like we actually, over pandemic, we've actually grown closer. So, you know, thank you for always, you are so supportive of the podcast. I really appreciate that. Honestly, it's the podcast is something that I have wanted to do for a long time. And you and I experimented with some stuff a while ago, and I never really found the best fit. I never really found that unique twist on things that, you know, I could do a movie podcast, I could do a TV podcast, I could do that, 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 but they've all been done and many people doing them a lot better than I believe I could ever do them. However, this whole, you know, you, you, you hit on a niche, you hit on something that no one's talking about, which is, you know, what are you geeky about? Who are you, this normal person or this person in a totally unrelated field, but how do you feel about your Harry Potter fascination, your fascination with James Bond movies, your fascination with, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, I believe, was one of the. That was uh, a very. That was a very early one, and I I've never met her. Um, that was oh, the really. Only, that's the only <laughs> conversation. I uh, uh, somebody put me in touch with her very early on, and and when we contacted, it was very close to the anniversary of her dad's death, and the whole thing was about her dad worked for the bombers, and and so like I I kind of rushed to get that one out really quickly, but we stay in touch on social media, but I've never met her, and she lives in the city, so I'm hoping one time that you know when things are a little bit more everyone keeps saying when things go back to normal back to normal they're actually going back to normal so when we find what the new normal is then yeah yeah, we can start to to reach out and hang out with people locally and things like that i mean we already are starting like it's it's happening hopefully things stay calm and we can continue to do that but you know and it's interesting because i have always been fascinated by people who are passionate about things that i'm not passionate about Mm -hmm. Uh, two quick anecdotes one i got a cousin who's into warhammer He's, uh, he's in his 30s now. Warhammer, for those of you who do not know, are little figurines. You paint them. You uh, you know, you know set up giant boards. And I was you... going to say German metal, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yes, but at the same time, no. But anyway, so uh, but my, my cousin's into these Warhammer things. And I really honestly passing interest only. I don't, you know, it's not something that I, but to listen to him talk about it, I could listen to him talk about it for hours because he's so passionate about the lore and what goes into constructing it. It's just fascinating to listen to. I don't know if I've ever talked about it on this podcast. I did talk about, I did talk about it on Film Guff when I was a guest on their podcast about like how this idea kind of started. And like, there's two kind of anecdotes um, that overlap. One, I was working for, I was, a, I was a staff writer. A friend of mine had a geek culture magazine and I would write for it. It was fun. It was a side project. I really enjoyed it. They were doing a podcast. I kind of had this idea that came from how I always learned how to cope in parties. Uh, as an introvert, <laughs> big parties were like intimidating for me. But if you zero in on somebody, you can let them talk about something they're interested in for half an hour. And it's fascinating. Uh, and, 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 and then you just move on to somebody else. But while we're, while we're patting ourselves in the back, yeah. I can tell you this, there is something to be said for a person such as yourself who will listen and ask the probing questions while you're going on and on about the thing that you're passionate about, that it becomes very obvious that the other person <laughs> maybe isn't or, yeah. you know, but at the same time, when you counterpoint you've got enough pop culture references and you're, you know, always been deep into the cinema and deep into, you know, that, you know, you can have a conversation with you. Even if I'm blasting away about something that you really aren't interested in, you've always got a counterpoint that brings it back to that while at the same time engaging the conversation. So you weren't nearly as awkward at the parties as sometimes you think you were. Yeah. Um, I, I am learning slowly that I was maybe not as geeky in high. I definitely felt geeky in high school, but like, I, I always felt, I was explaining, we all this, did, I was, yeah, I know I was explaining this to somebody recently. I'm like, I don't feel I kind of hit my stride in high school until like grade 12. And like yeah. when we were in, in high school in Ontario, there was grade 13. I thought grade 13, I kind of had everything under control. Uh, I certainly wasn't the most popular person, but I was comfortable enough in myself that I, you know, felt okay. And now I just like, I don't care. So I'll say things like, oh yeah, no, I thought you were really cool and you were really cool. And that's created some interesting, um, things uh, um honestly but um yeah I, I mean everyone felt like they were nerdy in high school yeah, that, that's a cliche now look i had a bowl cut and a mustache till grade <laughs> 10 so i got nothing to talk about when it comes to feeling geeky yeah, in high that's, school. that's that's what i i look like kramer so um <laughs> you know it's funny like i i've been shaving my head for so long like none of my students have any reference for me with curly hair and now I have a look and that's my look and I'm comfortable with that. It's so. a good look. You look very scholarly. Yeah. 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 I, I don't look hideous. That's my, <laughs> that's my assessment of myself and my, I've looks. got a beautiful wife and two young children at this stage. I got to tell you, I try my best to look as nice as possible when I leave the house, but honestly putting on my makeup and doing my hair in the morning is the least of my concerns at this stage <laughs> of the game. So yes, I it was one time recently walking my dog and, and, and wearing, track pants tucked into very high boots and like just uh, like oh i've given up oh that's well, how, how much snow was there because the track pants a lot, the the high boots. lot lot of snow yeah lot that, of snow. that's allowable at certain times yeah. if you're doing that in the middle of july we may question your decision slightly yeah yeah no <laughs> uh july tends to be like crocs and i'm like what am i doing like what happened to uh, that's just that's just age 40 man you hit age 40 in <laughs> crocs it's like they show up at your door i don't understand oh yeah I, i'm not i'm not down with this I'm you know it's funny down. i tell that joke all the time I don't own a pair of Crocs, <laughs> it's, it's, but I use that joke all the time. They're in, your, they're, they're, they're in your house somewhere. Clearly. I'm sure they are. They're hiding, waiting for me. They're going to pounce one day when I'm not paying attention. All right. Sherlock Holmes. Let's do it. When did you start reading Sherlock Holmes stories? 
so it's funny. So when we started talking about doing this, I started to trace the path back because in I am the type of person who will engage in a project or a topic and sort of research it to the nth degree. So for example, the other night, uh, Bruce Willis was diagnosed with aphasia. Yeah. And aphasia, although I've heard of it, I spent the better part of seven hours in front of my computer watching YouTube videos and stuff just to learn about it, mostly out of general interest, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so there's, but there's things in your life you come back to, and you know this as well as anyone being mm-hmm. a pop culture person is that, you know, I will come back and watch the James Bond movies over and over and over again. Yeah. There's a level of comfort there. Plus I can clean the house and have it on in the background and just walk in for my favorite moment and then walk back out and keep yeah. doing what I'm doing. But throughout my life, one of the, the touchstones has been Sherlock Holmes. Whenever I run out of books to read, and not that you ever run out of books to read, but whenever I'm, I'm like, there's just nothing I'm interested in right now, you know, pull out a Sherlock Holmes book. Uh, <clears throat> the first memory I have, I have a brown book and a blue book. And somewhere in this mess behind me, I've got all the boxes of my books from my parents' house that I've kept over the years. Oh, and I tried man. to find it prior to the podcast, but I can't. But I have these two child reader one is a study in Scarlet and the other is a sign of four. Okay. And those are the first two books I ever had. And I recall just loving those books as a kid and rereading and rereading and rereading the fascination with the private detective in general was always something that I was fascinated with. And then later on, and once again, local reference, sorry, listeners, <laughs> Midtown Mall in Oshawa, Ontario. Oh, dear Lord. I was waiting. Yeah. <laughs> there was only Not one the store. There was only one store worth going in there. And I know which one it was. <laughs> well, it was a Canadian Tire. But no. The, <laughs> no. There was a bookstore inside the door. That's the store you're talking about? Yep. There's a bookstore right inside the door. And I was there waiting. I assume on a bus transfer. I'm not sure how I ended up there unless my parents had gone to the mall for some reason anyway. And I picked up uh, this and I'm showing the camera right No, 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 we're blurry. (gasps) You're kidding. It is Sherlock Holmes, the complete volume novels and stories. Volume one. You are kidding. I'm not kidding. That is where I bought that copy too. You're joking. I had to order it. I had volume two somehow. And I didn't have volume one. And so I volume two. Yeah. Volume two. I somehow got my hands on volume two. Somebody gave it to me. Somebody left it somewhere. I stole it from somebody. I don't know. I didn't (laughs) know. I I wasn't, I wasn't a stealer. Oh no, actually I did steal from the, the, the Lake Vista library. We we will not talk about that. Somewhere Um, behind (laughs) us here in the boxes, you'll find a book. Yeah. Um, I had volume two and I didn't have volume one. I was fascinated by these stories. And so I went to the Midtown mall. They had to order it for me. Um, but that's, Amazing. that's where I got my, like, yeah, the only, well, and these thing are the, I'm trying to see the publisher here. Yeah. These are the Bantam classics. And I remember they had all of them sort of spread out in a shelf and you could read your Edgar Allan Poe's and your, um, all the classic novelists that are suddenly blanking in my head as I start talking about it. But any of your classic books were there. And I remember this one was here and I remember, I mean, I may have made this up in my head in the last you know week or so, but I vaguely recall remembering liking those red and that brown and blue book so much mm-hmm. that I picked it up to start reading it. And as I say, you get engrossed in the stories, you get engrossed in the characters. And, you know, for me, it was just, I was hooked. And I read the whole thing cover to cover. I probably read the whole thing cover to cover about 20 times because you'll notice volume two is a way nicer shape than volume one. Because I probably didn't even know there was a volume two until later on. So well, some of those stories aren't great. <laughs> In volume two? Volume two. The, like the later stories. Is it the case book? Like the last 
memoirs. I can't remember which which the last collection is. Uh, last bow is the last collection, but yeah, there's some in there that I'm just like, oh, you're just going. Well, if emotions. you get into if you get into the story of Conan Doyle himself, who in 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 and of himself is a fascinating figure in literature and history in general, like he and Harry Houdini sharing cigars and arguing about whether the paranormal exists or not. And yeah. Like, no, no, Arthur, it doesn't. And yeah. going, oh, it does. It certainly does. Um, there's a local, there's a local legend. Um, I think there's actually a play built on it that like Conan Doyle came to Winnipeg and did seances here in the, in the twenties. Um, would not surprise me. Yeah. Like yeah. he's a wacky dude. Um, <laughs> very wacky dude. So yes. like, I mean, all through, you know, you, you discover this love. I love yeah. that you had these readers. Um, cause I didn't, I, my first memory and I can, I can tell you the story. It was the blue carbuncle. We read yeah. it and I want to say grade five, I think it was at Lake Lake woods in grade five before you and I met. Yep. Um, but it may have been Vista our junior high, which is where we met. Uh, cause in, in English at that time in grade uh, grade seven and eight, they sometimes had these weird units. So yeah. like, I remember there was a horror unit and, yeah. and we got to watch weird old horror movies that kind of freaked me out. And my made introduction me... to Nosferatu, thank yep. you very much. Yep. And yep. made me love them. It could have been there. We had to read the Blue Carbuncle. And there's this section I'm early on. I'm thinking it's Vista because okay. I, this is all sounding very familiar. Yeah. So either either Canon and, and Lakewoods had the same uh, curriculum, <laughs> which is entirely possible, yeah. or yeah. it wasn't until we had Vista. There's a, there's a scene early on um, before the mystery gets going where somebody has left a hat. Yeah. And, you know, Holmes draws all these deductions about the hat. And th there were questions from the teacher about the story. Like, like, what does Holmes say about the hat? Or like, what conclusions does he draw? One of the co conclusions that he draws is the man is intelligent. Yes. And the, <laughs> the, the line is, it's a, it's a matter of capacity. He puts the hat on, it falls down. So large a head must have something in it. And the teacher marked me wrong. There are a few things that drive me as crazy as being told I'm wrong when I'm right. <laughs> so I have like, with a vengeance, went through all of those stories. And now, honestly, as a PhD in English literature and film studies, I can say that is correct. I cannot believe, this is by the way, having read that story yesterday, I can tell you, you are absolutely correct. <laughs> yeah. And I will have to say, dude, you gotta let it go, man. <laughs> like, I, uh, I don't let things go. It does <laughs> It does stick. No, I mean, it does stick with you. Whenever you are no. called out for something that, you know, and having been wrong as many times as I have been in my existence <laughs> to actually be right about something to be called out. Uh -uh. That's I, um, if I'm wrong, I'm happy to admit I'm wrong, but like, there are times where I'm just like, no, I, I think I'm right about this one. And I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to, uh, well, if it was one teacher, she's dead. If it's another teacher, I have no idea. She, like, I'm not going to go back to her, but like, I, I'm right. Aren't you? Yeah. Aren't no, you? I'm, I'm not going to go back to her. Not going to go. Well, well maybe, uh, maybe, maybe that's another use for that GL Facebook. Next group. time you're home, let's get in the car. We'll go for a drive. We'll bring the books with us. Yes. Look, you in <laughs> right 1983, here. you told me. Question four, you yeah. said. Yeah. Uh, you know, but that, I mean, again, if we get, if we get back to it, we talk about Sherlock Holmes and the fascinating fascination therein. There's a lot of parts that I find great about the books. It's the fact that he is fallible. He's extremely fallible. He makes mistakes. He makes wrong conclusions. And at other times, he's flat out talked about the fact that, you know, he turns to Watson and says, please label me in your memoirs as the <laughs> dumbest detective to ever roam the earth because he misses out on stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. And the other one of the other fascinating facts, one of the things I love is that Watson lists in a couple of the stories, various cases that Holmes has gone and has not succeeded. 
you know, either because of lack of data or just pure, you know, uh, his faculties failed him in that moment. Mm -hmm. And that's the other part I love is that, yeah, he's a guy and he's brilliant, but sometimes. Yeah. And we'll skip over the eugenics part of it, just <laughs> measuring the skulls thing later on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Science, no. science has improved slightly since then. Just a little bit. Just we're not sniffing bit. cigarette ash to find out where it's from anymore. No, and it's probably not a great idea to inject yourself with a seven percent solution of cocaine. I'm just saying. Probably yeah. not. But probably not. You know, drug, that's drug, the thing. Like, drugs were never my thing, but I'm just going to guess. Well, and that as a young person too, and I can remember very specifically reading things like that and going, "Oh my god, he's a drug addict!" Like he's because. We grew up in a just say no to drugs era. Like he's going to die. Like when we lose Sherlock Holmes, it will be to a drug overdose. And then as you get older, you appreciate that what he's trying to do is slow his brain down in an attempt to get some rest in times when he's not challenged by some particular mystery or something like that. yeah. Today, today he would be into massage therapy or something. It would just be yoga. Yeah. Full on yoga. yoga. Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Bikram yoga. Just him Definitely. in a hot room, just being sweaty. Um, <laughs> I, one of the things that really, um, I don't know if it increased or just like changed my interest, intensified my interest in Sherlock Holmes when we were in high school was A&E would show the Jeremy Brett series. And okay. I remember yeah. like just getting fascinated by that, like, you know, yeah. taping all of those. I think I actually sent my aunt into Toronto to buy me episodes of the the VHS episodes. Of that. Yeah. I loved that show. And then like, it, again, it just, um, it intensified my love of something already. And then I would go back and reread the stories and they were beautiful. And, and, and this did you ever get into the movies? Crazy. Yeah. It's going to drive you crazy, but I never saw them. I'm starting. I know seriously, my, as my film professor buddy glares at me through the video, oh. you know, I honestly, the Jeremy Brett, the Basil Rathbone stuff. I haven't seen any of that. And oh, I know, I know it's next on the list. My, you know, my, I, my, my pop culture um, Sherlock Holmes references in the movie stuff anyway is like Robert Downey Jr. playing in those. And even though it's not really true to the character, mm-hmm. to some extent it is. Yeah. I enjoyed them for what they were. Mm-hmm. But and like I never saw the the most recent one with um, um, oh, uh, Will or Will. Well, oh, shoot. Not Benedict Cumberbatch. The... No, but we'll get to that in a second. But okay. yeah. Oh, it was anyway. It was a spoof. Okay. Uh, oh, uh, Will Ferrell and um, John C. Thank you. John C. Riley. Someone's gonna be screaming through their earphones at us <laughs> at that point. But the I'll just uh, cut that but out. no, I, I avoided that one because I don't. You know, the farcical nature of it didn't really appeal to me. Mm-hmm. But I got to tell you, the um, uh, well, Elementary actually. Sorry, if we're talking about Lucy yeah. Liu playing mm-hmm. a female Watson. Great show, fascinating. Mm-hmm. Same thing. I mean, got away from sort of the true mm-hmm. Sherlock Watson thing, but still a great show. And as I say, the Sherlock episodes, the Sherlock episodes from the BBC, I believe it is, with Benedict Cumberbatch and um, Martin Freeman. I'm really. This is the only here. talent I have in the world, Mike. Is should have made notes. I should have made notes. Yeah. Made notes. I'm <laughs> glad you're here. But yeah. that ep- that is, I mean, with its modern aspect, and yeah, maybe lost the thread a bit in the last seasons, in my humble opinion. No, I agree. But it was as close to what I feel that relationship is in the books. Mm-hmm. You know, I often when you watch, you know, when you read other books or you read other tellings of Sherlock Holmes or you see, you know, you see other media on TV, Watson is sort of depicted as this buffoon, this mm-hmm. this foil, the, yeah. you know, the the bumbling idiot next to Holmes's brilliance. Yeah. When in reality, in my, and I always said this when I read the books, like Watson is a mandatory figure at home. He's the anchor that stops Holmes from literally going over the edge sometimes, literally going over the edge sometimes. 
And he's the guy and he's the gun. He's the muscle. He's the guy where, you know, Holmes, although very strong and very, I don't know if Holmes takes the chances he does if he doesn't have Watson and his service revolver by his side. So I always very much identified with John Watson as a, as another hero in those stories. I'm going from memory here and this is deeply disturbing to me in that Bantam classic edition that you have, there's an introductory essay on the Boswell and it talks about how the Nigel. Yeah. (laughs) That's how many times I've read that. Mike. scary, but it's a very, it's a, not a good talent. It's, it's a, it's a curse talks about how the Nigel Bruce interpretation of Watson has really informed the way people see Watson. And it like, he, it really is like, I, I have a deep affection for those films. Um, but that that's one part that does bug me. Watson is like a bumbling idiot. Um, yeah. and it just kind of undercuts the whole thing. Whereas like, if he's competent, but then, you know, he's competent and appreciative of Holmes, but he's smart in his own right. He's a doctor after all. Um, well, that, I think Holmes makes reference to that in one story. He's like, you know, uh, I think at one point Watson, because Watson constantly downplays his um, his help in any of these cases. In fact, he writes constantly about how great Holmes is. And as any great biographer, he takes himself out of the story. So, you know, one could read and inter- extrapolate into the data that, that Watson helps a heck of a lot more on these things. But because he's writing about Holmes. He's not about to say, and by the way, I beat off four bad guys and, you know, um, you know, saved Holmes from a, you know, fate worse than death. He's not going to write that. He's going to write Sherlock saw the guy's pants, saw the chalk mark, realized he'd been in the sewer the day before and solved the case, you know, Um, even though he was the one hanging by the rope, saving him from drowning in, you know, sewage or whatever the situation happens to be. On the significance of Boswell's by Lauren D. Estelman. Page. Oh, I could have, I could have told her his name. <laughs> I have no idea who Lauren D. Estelman is, but no, it's a I've good never, part of the book. Never, never tracked him down, but no, I remember the name uh, on the significance of Boswell's. I love teaching the stories when I'm teaching literature classes uh, for a number of different reasons. A, they're short, so students can kind of get a, a, a quick. They, they can read it quickly, absorb it quickly, and understand, and we can have a conversation about it. But like Watson as a narrator is really important too, because he like, it's all a matter of reading and Watson kind of reads in one way and Holmes reads in a completely different way. He sees things differently. And I'm always encouraging my students to think more like Holmes and less like Watson. Well, I mean, listen, I think, and part of the reason why it works and part of the popularity, I can only assume, and again, I'm just a guy who bakes donuts, but when you read the books and you go through and you interpret what is said in the books, they are... They are a team. They are the first buddy cop team. And they, you know, what Holmes lacks, Watson makes up for and vice versa. You know, whereas uh, whereas Watson looks but does not observe, Holmes acts but doesn't think sometimes. And so you've got both sides of that particular argument. And Holmes thinks he can do everything by himself, but realizes early on he kind of needs help with this. Yeah. You know, and man, just to find someone who can tolerate his idiosyncrasies. And as we all know, finding that sometimes is the hardest part. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So when was the last time you read them? I'm in the process right now. As I say, we when we had a conversation, oh, I don't know, three, four weeks ago, you had mm-hmm. said to me, hey, we should really get you on and do the Sherlock Holmes thing. It's funny you should mention that because I literally had just followed up the, as I say, Along with, I've got my two original copies here. I've got, I bought these two books here that I got from uh, the Sherlock Holmes Museum in London. I bought them, including this beautiful 
green and again we're going to be out of focus here this green leather bound mm. i thought i'm buying this tr- this beautiful tome of sherlock holmes turns out it's the franklin mint series so someone bought it off tv late night one night and got it but it had no dust jacket it looks real fancy looks fancy so that's I, all it I picked it up yeah and then uh one of my favorites which is the complete sherlock holmes here mm. and i like this one because it's taken directly from the strand oh yes photo stats of yeah. the strand uh paper yeah, which is fun to read because you can see in its original form, which although small printing and my glasses need to be updated, but the, uh, yeah, wait, wait, when you're in the dark restaurant, you got your camera light out to be able to see the menu, you know, you're, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. But yeah, so I'm, I'm reading them currently, as I say, I finished a straight where I was going through, I read a lot of business books lately, just was a thing I was into. Got a few recommendations from some friends and I finished, I'm like, I need something to not sound like business. So Back to Sherlock Holmes. As I say, it's my it's like my comfy blanket that I throw on whenever I need something to read that's kind of fun. There, there. I mean, if you if you do the short stories, and honestly, I prefer the short stories to the novels. Yes. Um, Hound of the Baskervilles is really the only good novel. Oh, I read that a thousand times. Oh yeah, it's so good. It's so good. But the other ones are really disjointed. They're short. You know where they're going. They resolve quickly. They're fun. Yeah, I come back to them quite frequently. I I mean, I I'm still. I've said this on the podcast before, but um, one of my body responses to pandemic was that I, I had, my concentration is shot. So yes. I'm just coming back to being able to watch movies. Um, I watched a few movies over the last year, like, but I could probably count them on two hands, um, like uncut gems. Like that was bond, but that was more for work. A few other yeah. things reading fun reading is really hard. So I've been audio everything. Uh, and I sent you the list of these. Um, they were done, in, I think it's the 1960s. It's a series of Sherlock Holmes radio plays. And Absolutely. They, do, they do almost all of them, but the guy's name is Carlton Hobbs and Norman Shelley is the guy who plays Watson. Not a lot of people know about these, but I'll put those up against almost anything that has been created as Sherlock Holmes. Like He is such a good Holmes. Well, due to the fact that I drive all the time and I'm all over the place for work, I'm back and forth to stores and stuff like that. Not to mention, you know, as you say, with your, your concentration dwindling, sometimes it's easier to listen. Uh, radio plays exactly where I want to go. So we talked about, as with your your guests, a couple podcasts ago with the old-timey radio. Huge oh, fan. So Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. A, um, when when Adam when I realized Adam really liked old-time radio, I'm like, that is what we're talking about. Everybody wants to talk <laughs> to him about movies, and like yeah. that's, that's the thing that he's best known for now. But I'm like, no, old-time radio, because I radio. love old-time radio. All right. Are you up for some Fast Four? Oh, bring it. I'm very excited. Mike Rodaway, what was the first thing you were a geek for? Ooh, good one. Um, I'm going to say Star Wars. I mean, I grew up in that era. It was, you know, I was coming of age five, six years old when that was really big and the toys were all big and everything like that. So yeah, Star Wars would be the first thing I really geeked. Didn't understand what the heck was going on, but boy, were those toys fun. They were fun. I I uncovered last time I was in Ontario at my parents' house, a box of Star Wars toys that I still have, including an original Adat Walker. No way. Seriously. And my mom's like, what are you going to do with this? I don't know. Now, because I was a small guy, because because I was really small when I got into it, we Star Wars was less of a thing than Transformers. And it's funny you mentioned that because while I was looking for those books, I came across my box of Transformers in the big pile behind me. So uh, nice. Something yeah. for your kids to play with. I know what I'm doing this weekend. Forget <laughs> the kids. It's my- <laughs> Mike, do we need another Batman movie? Ooh, 
Now, as you know, the Batman arrived here on ABC last week, and uh, this is kind of a strange and wonderful new concept in television. It's new but old. It's yeah, but they got to figure it out. Like, come on. It's a comic book. I get being serious. And, oh, you got another hour? Hit record. Let's go. Batman. <laughs> um, you know, I'm fascinated by the topic only in that DC needs to figure out how to do a movie that doesn't make me want to jump off a building at the end. Few things infuriate me, like DC's inability to get their stuff together. Yes. Like Marvel. Marvel laid this blueprint where they made individual films of superheroes that most people didn't think would be hits. And well, they built... sold off all the good ones, so they had to. <laughs> and then they and then they kind of built something huge. And DC yeah. just like I don't I don't need another Superman movie, and I don't need another Batman movie. Even like I hear great things about the new Robert Patterson movie. I haven't yeah. seen it. I can't I can't bring myself to watch again, it again. Just... Again, it is it's one of those things where it's dividing. I have not seen it yet. Hopefully this weekend we'll see how it goes. But yeah. I, you know, it's I'm sick and tired of it having to be dark and intense and stuff. I just watched the uh, Michael Keaton, Jack Nichol, uh, yeah. Jack Nichols, yeah, yeah, Nicholson Batman, like uh, a week ago. Do you remember how a, big that was? Massive. Oh. Cinema 8, Oshawa Center. I was third in line. <laughs> Everyone owned a Batman t shirt in 1989. I wish I still did. I love that. But yeah, but I mean, I watched the other day and, you know, yeah, it's campy as all get out. And I mean, not as campy as some of the later ones, but at the same time, it's a fun comic book movie. Yeah. You know, I was not a friend of the Nolan Batman's come at me comment section. I don't care. Um, You know, I, I think that Heath Ledger was an okay joker. I don't think he was transcendent. That's my personal opinion. I realize I am in the minority. I also didn't like Seinfeld or friends again, (laughs) comment section. Sorry. Uh, but you know, I, you know, when I watch those movies, I'm just like, everybody cheer up. You're in a comic book movie. Come on. And Uh, even the bad Marvel movies at least are entertaining on some level. Yeah. And they don't, they don't override everything else. Like, you know, there's a couple of bad Thor movies or like one or two bad Thor movies. And you're like, (laughs) okay, all right. Like it doesn't kill everything. Um, and by the way, comments can be directed at Mike Rodaway. Um, (laughs) Mike, besides your childhood transformers behind you what is the geekiest thing you own Ooh, geekiest thing i own so all my legos that's pretty awesome yes, I still, my dad tried to give them to my nephew about five years ago we almost had a fight over it so yeah, yeah i think that my legos maybe the geekiest things i still own okay all right everything. i'm a pack rat i keep everything so <laughs> there are several geeky things i own but uh, Mike, for reasons yet to be determined, you are trapped on a desert island and you can only have three Sherlock Holmes stories to keep you occupied. Which three stories do you take? How's the Baskervilles? Uh, Redheaded League. Yes. And, oh, it's tough. There's one near the end, and I was busy reading the synopsis of all the last books prior to the podcast just to get caught up. But there's one, and it may be the very, maybe his last bout, maybe the very last story that, it's not the last story that, uh, Doyle published, but it's the last of the canon, I guess. And basically, it's an older Sherlock Holmes. It's an older Watson. War is coming. They solve this mystery. There's action. There's adventure. And at the end, like there's this really heartfelt moment between Holmes and Watson, where Holmes looks at him and says, "Like I couldn't have done all this without you. Like you are my, you are literally the only person I call a friend. You're my oldest and dearest friend." And it's one of those things where it just makes you tear up every time. And it's a Sherlock Holmes book. 
Yeah. You know, and it's coming out of home. So I think that would be my third one. As soon as I figure out what it's called. <laughs> That's the last bow. That is the, the last bow. That's yeah. The last bow. Yeah. So bonus question, because I've known you for so long. What is sure. your favorite high school memory of me? Favorite high school memory of you is you um, standing on stage with four other people. And the video has surfaced recently. Uh, you standing on stage with four other people and whipping open your trench coat and me going, oh, my God, they're all going to get expelled. And then <laughs> dropping your uh, dropping your little banner there. And uh, that was by far because my friend Mike, who is infinitely more charming, infinitely more good looking, infinitely, um, infinitely higher on the social order than he would ever put himself on and finally found his spot in the sun. And it was glorious. Oh, yeah. It's on my YouTube channel, uh, the the, the individual sketch. It's based on a Benny Hill sketch and it's called, uh, we called it um, the trench coat number. No, indecent exposure is what we called it, but it's this intricate dance of four people with trench coats strategically not exposing themselves and it was it was absolutely hilarious and uh i'm that might be the thing i'm most proud of in high school if and that's I get it. that's weird the thing is you try to make arrangements you try to do these things and they don't always pan out when one yeah. of them works and it works to the level that that worked yeah. and i mean i can remember us all in the audience and it was it was it at revels yeah yeah for those for, again for those of you who didn't attend Jill roberts high school in south oshawa yeah. we did a uh, a winter uh basically talent show or, or pageant or concert or whatever you wanted to call it where people would get up and showcase their various skills and then there was a, f- a semi-formal after that we were all sitting in the crowd watching this go on and just going oh my god are they pushing this over the edge and the whole time you're going well the teachers must have seen this in rehearsal maybe it's not yeah no we pushed <laughs> we pushed really hard on that one um uh, and i mean the whole story so i have the whole video and i i have posted the whole video on um on, on my YouTube channel, um, the whole concert and you, you're one of the hosts and was that the year Rod and I hosted? Yeah. I yeah. Sure. Yeah. And, and the hearts in there too. But if I remember correctly and uh, my memory, my memory can be hazy in certain areas. Um, there was a, there, there was the fear that the show wouldn't go on, that there weren't, there wasn't enough interest. So right. I was just like, Oh, Oh, to hell with that. I'll do it. I'll do it. So I'm in like seven sketches or something like that. Um, I just kept grabbing people going, like, want to do this Monty Python sketch with me? Okay. Like, and yeah, it was, it was so much fun. And actually um, this, this uh, Facebook group, uh, GL Roberts Facebook group, and yep. I posted it to there and I'd actually, because it was all happening de- during pandemic, like there was a lot of activity around it. I'd actually contemplated doing a zoom showing of it. And I, I just never, I never pulled the trigger on it, but hosting live. Hosting yeah. A live like, viewing like, party. yeah. Why, not? why not do a viewing party of this? Um, so anyways, that's. Well, it's interesting because so little of what we experience live is available in those days, no Instagram, no Facebook, no nothing. So, and also not a video recorder in your pocket the entire time. And a lot of that stuff doesn't exist. So when something does, it's a pretty big deal. It's, you know, yeah. And I, I've never been a photo person until I have a phone in my pocket. Like, you know, now I, I take photos of myself all the time. If you go on my Instagram, it's like me in an alleyway. That's a whole, I'm, I'm that's enjoying a, the Mike in an alleyway that, series. It's that's a, good a thing one. I'm doing. That's a thing I'm doing right now. Mike in an alleyway. Um, but I never took photos. Photos are important to me. And I just, you know, I, I regret not having more memories of that kind of stuff and taking, you know, taking photos of that stuff. So. Again, I think that it, you know, as you stitch together your life through your memories, you know, we obviously block out stuff that we're not happy with. But when you, the stuff that we do recall are, you know, it's usually the stuff that's worth remembering. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Now, the good news is when you hang around with a bunch of people, we're very fortunate that you and I still have connections with a lot of the people we spent time with at that time. 
that, you know, whenever you're standing around a crowd, you think, oh, it's going to be the same old stories. And for the most part, it is. But yeah. occasionally someone says, do you remember that time at that party when that guy and everyone goes, oh, I can't believe I forgot about that. And then you yep. get to relive that moment even for a second. So, yeah, uh, no, that's it's been fun. really interesting. Um, I've reconnected with a few other people kind of outside the group that we we connect with all the time. Yeah. Um, and and just, you know, those little, little weird memories like I or things that I had no idea people were going through. That was a real eye opener yeah. for me. Just, you know, that, you know, people, there were people that we went to school with that were experiencing profound loss and grief yeah. and death that never, like, in, maybe it was my obliviousness that I never realized. And now it's like, oh, I didn't know that that was part of your story. And yeah, yeah just, yeah, older, more I think, mature. I think in high school, you go, whenever someone experienced drama in high school, if you have people who are extroverts, uh -huh. it's a ton of, um, you know, people are, it's out there. Like people are just like, oh my God, I'm going through this. I can't believe it. And it becomes this earth shattering thing that everyone sucked into. But there were so many people who just didn't act like that, who didn't put their stuff in front street and didn't, you know, brag or didn't talk to everybody about what they were going through. And you're right. It goes on the background. You had no idea. I, for example, I know a guy who used to bully me all the time in grade school mm -hmm. and I reconnected with him years later, like literally sitting in a coffee shop and he wandered over and said, Hey, do you remember? I said, I sure do. Come on, sit down have a coffee. And turns out that he was really like badly abused by his dad when he was growing up. Yeah. And that, that again, no excuses for anybody involved, but literally, yeah. You know, it shaped who he became as a person. You don't realize that as a kid. And one of the mm -hmm. podcast ideas I came up with during my, hey, I want to start a podcasting was I wanted to call it Friends from High School. And I literally wanted to just interview, find people, go through the yearbook and just start finding, contacting, tracking down people and saying, tell me about your life. Yeah. You know, where I think was it? Yeah. No, I think that's a great idea. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, kind of doing that, like, but without recording it. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. Um, yeah, it's. I think it's a good idea. Reaching out and talking to people. It's kind yeah, of the thing. No, and I appreciate that you often reach out to me. Uh, you know, the times that I just get this text in the middle of the night, like, I heard that. It was awesome. Way to go. Uh, I can't even begin to tell you. Um, it's really hard to do a podcast and it's really hard to like get people to share and and, yeah. and like and stuff that, you know, it, it means a lot to me. Thank you very much. Honestly, you're doing good work. And it's, as I say, I'm going right back to what we talked about right at the beginning. Winnipeg Blue Bombers, one, I, my, you know, I'm a CFL fan. My dad was a CFL fan. Do I watch it a lot? I don't. It's not my favorite form of football, but at the same time, I know it's there. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers are as far off my radar as any CFL team could be. And I listened in fascination for the full length of that podcast because that girl was passionate about the Winnipeg. And I'm sorry, I've forgotten her name, but Tara. Tara, Tara was fascinated about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And I was like, it's just great to listen to somebody who's passionate about what they're passionate about. I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but when I moved to Winnipeg in 1999, do you know who was on the Blue Bombers? Wayne Weathers. Wayne Weathers, who we went yeah. to high school with. And I, I yeah. kind of had to like, Wayne, Wayne was a few years older than us, yeah. but he was always cool to me. It, it, it always surprised me when I look back at high school, I had... There was one person who I would identify as a bully who, for some reason, in like grade 11 or 12, just like every day he would walk into class and punch me. And like, and I like, again, I wasn't, I wasn't the class nerd. I wasn't the most popular, but I was kind of middle of the road and everything. I, I always thought of myself as a reserve member of the Avengers. Um, <laughs> but it was like so weird. And like every once in a while, like somebody like would stand up and go like, why are you doing that to him? Like, you've known him since grade six. Like, like, stop it. But for the most part, it was a pretty good high school experience. And there were lots of people who 
I thought were super cool and super awesome. And they are, um, you know, that they, or yeah, they are. Yeah. And I know a lot of people who I thought were questionable in high school turned out to be great people who I've run into since then, who, you know, it's like, oh my God, you know, I, you know, I can't believe that, you know, or, you know, I had one guy flat said, I'm really sorry about the way that we treated you guys in, cause we used to all sit out in the concourse, the pit, mm-hmm. as we called it. Yeah. And they'd walk by and they'd shout stuff at us or say stuff to us. And I had one guy legitimately come up to me and say to me, Hey man, you know, I'm really sorry about the way we, we were just jerks. And I was like, honestly, I don't. And I barely remembered any of that because you, you know, sticks and stones. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, there's so, there's so little that, that I did. I did not experience a lot. Of, I didn't hang out in the pit as much as many people did uh, again until I was older. And then I was, I kind of had a, a, a bit of social cachet and I could, get away with it and stuff but yeah and you take your pants off in front of a, a school you, you people tend to leave it you kinda, it's it's a building thing you yeah. build relationships yeah. that way Mike. Yeah. you really really I, do <laughs> i do like to tell people like you know the number of people who saw me naked in high school really high <laughs> fortunately it was all in one room um hey uh, you know what honestly we never really had a streaker but we did have four that night and it's really it's the uh, yeah. can people find you on social media I mean, they can, as I say, I don't, I don't have the same level of um, celebrity and or socialist of, I mean, uh, yeah, you can track me down. My name will be in the uh, the credits for this. If you want to look me up, go ahead and look me up. I've got, uh, as I say, I got a wife and two kids. I do do a thought of the day every single day about the the ongoing of things in our, in our little household here. It's uh, there are two positive things from the pandemic. Okay. And your thought of the day is one of them. <laughs> As I say, no Trump, no, uh, no coronavirus. That was my rule. Actually, we are tomorrow. April 2nd is the second uh, anniversary of the, uh, the initial thought of the day. The first yeah. of uh, um, in uh, my Facebook memories today, it came up your post last year um, and you singled out me and one of our mutual friends, Paul, Paul, Bons- Paul yeah. Bonsfield, who you referred to as your Statler and Waldorf. Um, Cause I, the, the few things give me delight in, in the, responding sarcastically to something you say. <laughs> it's just well, it's and as fun. I say, a part of the reason why I keep doing these things is there is interaction. And some days the interaction is very minor. And some days the interaction is literally you and like, I mean, two days ago, again, inside baseball, and you can cut all this out later if yeah. you want, but like, you know, it's you and Paul, me saying lollipop, Paul commenting that this must be a regional thing, like a sucker. Yeah. And then you and him going on about Wait, Landau's no. and, uh, Aren't I a sucker? What what's a good in the couch? Is it a Davenport? Is it a Chester? Ascots. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> Paul and I become like really kind of close and it's really fun. Um well, and that's the thing. And so the funny thing is, like, I literally post it in the morning, then I went into a meeting for two hours mm-hmm. and I come out and you have 27 notifications, and it's you and Paul going back and forth as yeah. to whether or not I'm being pretentious because I use the term lollipop in a post. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, like me, he's often sitting next to he's sitting on a computer and yes. like you know it doesn't take a lot to to respond yeah paul paul's an entertaining character oh he is he is canadian boy living in trump world down there he's got to come home and by trump world i mean the state he lives in is very pro-right so he's, very uh, conservative yeah well thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it it's so good to talk to you we, we will connect next time and i'm in southern ontario which should be soon i look forward to it and mr voice i gotta tell you it is a pleasure to hear your voice coming through my ear pods at least once a week, if not more. And, uh, you know, keep doing it, buddy. You're doing a great job. Thanks, man. I love you. Love you too, man. Thank you for joining me on Geek 4. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Geek4Pod or me on Twitter 
at M.W. Boyce. If you listen on Apple Podcast, click the subscribe button and consider leaving a five-star review. Be sure to join us next time when we learn what someone else is a geek for. I feel as if I shall need your company and moral support today.